You are listening to the Father's House podcast located in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, visit thefathershouseky.com. I'll give it up for our worship team this morning. An amazing job. Brother Daniel on the keyboard over here. I just really enjoy watching him play the keyboard. I don't know about anybody else. It's amazing. Um, I praise the Lord that we have a worship team. Amen. And not a band. Amen. Worship and praise team. So something the Lord spoke to me really quickly before we get started. uh, When she was talking about me and Maddie being frugal, sometimes tight. (laughs) And something the Lord spoke to me was like, Immediately the Lord spoke to me personally. And if this lands, remember if it's from Jesus, you want it, right? So if it lands on, you receive it, amen? Remember, Maddie just got up here and told you that you can trust God's intention, amen? Um, And so the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, Mike, you need to be, it's okay to be tight in your budgeting, but not in your generosity. Let me say that again for some of you. It's okay to be tight in your budgeting. We should be. We should be asking the Lord what we're doing with our finances and our budgeting, but not with our generosity and not the opposite. In America, we do the opposite. We're really, we're really uh, um, we, we spend the most on just ourselves, entertainment, different things, but we spend the least on generosity. And that's not the way it should be um, by any means. Uh, let me give you a word of wisdom from the singer uh, Pitbull. How many of you know Pitbull? You didn't think I was going to talk about this this morning, did you? He was talking about how they were saying, does money bring you happiness? Now, how many of you know he has millions of dollars? And they said, um, he, he said, well, actually, he had a friend of his, another really wealthy guy. He said, actually, money will bring you happiness, but when you give it away. And there's something, some of us have learned that principle of, of, of generosity. It, makes you, it, just, it does something to you, and it, it builds trust and different things. And Anyways... Uh, some people get really offended when churches talk about money. It's probably just it's because you probably have an unhealthy love of your money. We'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on this morning. That's another sermon for you this morning. Uh, God's not broke. This church has been around for 50 years. We, God doesn't need your money. It's something that it's an act of obedience for you to give and to trust Him in. Amen? If everybody in this church would tithe just their 10%, we would literally have no problems. We could pay off this debt and things could go very smoothly. So I encourage you to do so. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, man. And don't just tithe, but be generous. Amen. And let me give you some, let me take it a little further, just for a moment. You know, God has shown me, too, that it's okay to sow into your family. Did you hear me? Like, it's not a wrong thing for you to go to on vacation. It's not wrong to bless your wife. It's not wrong to bless your kids. That's okay. Especially if you've got a stay-at-home wife like I do who doesn't actually get a paycheck. Doesn't actually, um, uh, I, I wash my mouth. Definitely not about to say she doesn't have a job. She's got a job harder than all of our jobs, I promise you that. Leave me alone for six hours with my kids, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? It feels like three days, you know? It's like being in jail. Just kidding. Just kidding. Some people are like, what? He doesn't love his kids? That's what, the, that's what some people heard. The religious spirit said, I, I knew I was at the wrong church. He doesn't even love his children. That's not what I said. So, <laughs> mm, this is an appropriate time. Will you bring me that book real quick, one of you lovely ladies here? Uh, some, of you, some of you are new today. This might be your first time. Uh, something that God is doing in our church is that he is reintroducing himself to you. 
And what does that mean? That means that Jesus is actually a lot better than you ever thought he was. And he's not religious at all. And some of you actually thought that you couldn't laugh in church. You couldn't smile in church. You had to dress certain way. You, you better not wear a hat in church, boy. <laughs> My goodness. Turns out Jesus is actually a lot better than that. He's a lot more gracious than that. It turns out that he hates religion as well. So anyways, I was reading this book. And it was talking about, it was talking about joy. And I just want to just, just break something off people who just think that they have. You can't have joy in the house of the Lord. Amen. And it says something really good about um, being filled with the Spirit. I just want to read this quickly before I move on to our, my wonderful, wonderfully prepared Palm Sunday message for you guys. It said, different revival movements have had different characteristics. Revivals of repentance have included people weeping over their souls as they sought salvation. Contrastingly, the people in revivals focused on empowerment for missions often have experienced great joy. Amen? And it says here, joy is repeatedly linked with the celebratory praise in the Psalms. Why should it surprise anyone if the second listed fruit of the Spirit, which is joy, shows up at times when the Spirit is poured out? Man, I, I, if, you're, if you were down here in front of me watching me worship sometime, you would think I was probably a crazy person. Because I laugh, and then I cry, and I cry, and I laugh. You know, just over and over again. I don't know what's going on, but all of it's just filled with joy. And then I look at him again, and I see that he still loves me, that he still wants me. And even though I screw up, and then I cry some more. And then I get overwhelmed, and the devil's trying to lie to me. And then I laugh at him, because he's a liar. You ever had somebody laugh at you when you're, you're mad? Doesn't that make you mad? I love to laugh at the devil when he tries to lie to me and speak lies over my family. Amen? You should try it. It's really good. And this is really good. He says, perhaps... Perhaps um, we need a reminder here in the West, which is America, where joy and laughter are associated with parties and sports events and liquor, uh oh, but not our worship services. I would like to think that maybe the church is allowed to actually have fun. And we're allowed to have joy in the Lord, right? In His presence is fullness. Of joy. Look at your neighbor and say, I have joy. Joy, joy, joy. Down in my heart. Amen? <laughs> All right. So, welcome to the Father's house. I'm so glad you're here. Some of you are thinking, man, he's just now preaching. This church is way too long. And that's okay. We believe Jesus is worthy of at least a couple hours once a week. Probably even more than that. Amen? He's, I would like to think that he's actually worth more than this Sunday morning. Amen? My goodness, seven hours of uh, the voice last week, but like two hours with the Lord. Okay, we'll move on. Sorry. <laughs> if you're new here, sign up for the journey. Look at your neighbor. Say, the journey. The journey is your next steps in joining our church and getting involved. In our... Some people call and they're like, yeah, pastor, if you need anything, if you want me to be there and come around and I'll help with the church, just give me a call. No, go to the journey. <laughs> That's not how we do things. Go through our, our process. It's good. It's healthy. It's structured. You're going to learn about our church. You're going to learn about who we are. And then you can say, you know what? Maybe I don't really like this church. If you're thinking about joining this church or really staying here, you need to go to the journey. Because it's going to give you the best uh, take of who we really are and where we're going. And then we're not offended at all if you go through those things and you're like, you know what? This isn't a place for me. That's totally fine. We want you to be where God wants you to be. Amen. But we don't, wanna, we don't want you to try to maybe change us, and we're not trying to change you, really. Unless it's, you know, sinful, negative things about your life. We want to help you with those things. 
So sign up. In May is coming up our journey. We'd love to get you signed up. You can sign up online. You can sign up at the welcome desk. We'd love to have you guys. So last week, I talked about receiving all that Jesus has for you. And we, we had this word released over us that, that, that people would get what they need when they come to this place. Amen? And people are getting what they need. People are getting saved. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. People are getting baptized. People are getting their marriages restored. People are getting touched by Jesus in this place. And then some people are not. And I talked about last week that you have to be teachable to receive something from Jesus. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm teachable. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not stubborn at all when it comes to Jesus speaking to me. Amen? So this past week, I talked about, you know, ears to hear, eyes to see. Today is Palm Sunday. This starts the Holy Week, which is the last week of Jesus' life. How many of y'all know that? This is the Sunday before uh, where you get, where he was betrayed on Thursday, crucified on Friday, and rose on Sunday. Come on, somebody. And so, but this week, we celebrate Palm Sunday. We're going to get into that just a little bit. But what I really felt as I was preparing this message, I said, Lord, what do you really want to impart? What is it that you really want to give your people today? And I believe the Lord was saying, simply, don't give up. All right? He was saying, don't give up. And also, he wants to impart strength to endure. Somebody say strength to endure. Amen? How many of you need strength to endure? All of us, right? So God is wanting to hand out, I believe this morning, strength to endure. And he wants to look at some of you this morning, look you straight in the eyes as a loving father and say, don't give up. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your growth. Some of you need to hear this this morning. Some of you have been growing in your relationship with Christ and then you've been going backwards. I hear the Lord speaking this morning saying, don't give up on your growth. Don't just, well, I started reading my Bible a little bit again. I started to go to small group. Now I fell back to where I was. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't look forward to what God is trying to do. And here's the good news. God's not going to shame you if you just come back. Just turn around. Just start where you were. Just start. And God's not going to be like, oh, man, here you go. I'm going to put you in the corner for a little while. You're in timeout because you gave up. No, he's just excited that you're back in the game. Amen? So get back in the game. So let's pray. Let's be real spiritual, right? Get up and hold hands. I'm just kidding. Right now. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you on this day, Lord. We celebrate the day you came in, the triumphal entry, Lord, as a humble king. Lord, I pray you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see. God, I pray like that song said this morning, that I'm not enough unless you come. Lord, I pray you'd fill me with your spirit and you would use me as a vessel this morning. God, I believe that when I pray, I'm yours. All that you want to do in my life, Lord, I mean that from the bottom of my heart, Lord, use me. God, bless your people. Till their hearts. Let them receive everything you have for them in Jesus' name. Would you put out your hands in front of you like this and just say this after me. I receive everything that's from Jesus and anything else. I don't want it. Isn't that a good prayer? Some of you were scared and some of you didn't do it. That's okay. You'll get it next time. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. This is the story of Palm Sunday. Let me read this guy. I'll read this to you. I'm reading the New King James Version. It says, now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, there's quite a bit of scripture here, so just bear with me. Go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. 
And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly. Somebody say lowly. And sitting on a donkey. A colt, the fowl of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. Which is kind of weird that it says that, right? It's almost like they picked him up. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches, we believe to be, have palm, palm trees, or the palm leaves from the trees and spread them across the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Somebody say, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Another translation said it was shaken. Another translation said it was agitated, saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. But the reality was this was God in the flesh. This was El Shaddai. This was Yahweh. This was the Messiah. Amen? And so Jesus came, and I was reading the scriptures past week, I felt the Lord just highlight that word to me, that he came lowly. Here comes your king. We think about a king, right? You think about, you watching movies and a crown and probably a big robe, but he says your king came lowly. Another word could be humble, meek. He came gentle. And this is the reality of our God. You would think that the God of the Old Testament, being just this strong and mighty God who destroyed his enemies, but here's the reality. This is the same God. This isn't a different God. That's coming. It's not the good version of the Old Testament bad version of God. Does that make sense? This is Him Himself, right? How many of you know we believe Jesus is God fully and fully man? This was Him. So He comes lowly and He comes on a donkey. I'll just teach a couple things to you. The reason why He came on a donkey, for one, that He was declaring Himself as the Messiah. And what I mean is that. It says that the prophet said, Behold, your king is coming. That meant that all the Jews in that time, they would have known that scripture, and they would have known that if this prophet was coming, literally on a, your king was coming on a donkey, they would be like, oh, this is the Messiah. So Jesus was like, oh, hey, go get the donkey, because I'm about to announce myself as the Messiah. This is how they're going to know this thing. And he came as a donkey because back in the, the, the times before that, if the kings would come on a horse, they were ready for battle and they were ready for war, but they would come on a donkey if they meant to, have, to bring peace. You'll see this when uh, King Saul, when they, they rode to him as, as king, that he rode through town on a donkey. So he didn't come in a sense like they maybe pictured he would come as this ruling king with a sword and a shield and a, and a helmet ready to kill Goliath again. But he came humble and meek. But here's the beauty of this. This is not weakness of our God. This is the meekness of our God. And, and meekness is actually strength in control. That's a good word. Some of us think, well, I gotta prove myself. I gotta take control. I gotta take control of this situation. I gotta show my might. But the reality is, the meekest person in the room is the strongest person in the room. Especially for us men, it's hard to contemplate that kind of thought, right? We gotta, we gotta show ourselves mighty and strong. And there's nothing wrong with being mighty and strong. But what makes a man a man is to be meek and gentle and affectionate and loving as well as being protective and providing. And all the men said, Amen. 
That's what you need as a father, right? We need a father. We need not just the rough side and mom's the gentle side. Let me just share this for just a moment. The idea of really well-behaved children does not mean that you're a good parent. It just means that your kids could be afraid. They're just scared. Children need their dads to be meek and gentle as well, not just the moms. Amen? Amen. So Jesus wasn't this weak king coming on this donkey. This was literally El Shaddai, the Lord of heaven's armies, sitting on this donkey. It's pretty amazing. Hallelujah. He was introducing himself as a Messiah. So what they did, they shouted this word, Hosanna. Some of you might have heard this before. I'm sure you have. And this past week, I was even struggling with like, man, what else could I preach about about Palm Sunday? How many Palm Sunday messages can there be, right? And Maddie had a really good analogy. She said, you know, if you have a recipe for sourdough bread and you make that bread today and then you make the same bread, the same recipe tomorrow, it's still fresh bread tomorrow. I thought, man, and the Lord reminded me that his word is living and active. It's so good. So this word that they would shout out, Hosanna, literally means help now or save us is what they were saying. Because if you remember in this time, the Jews were under oppression from Rome, right? Rome and Caesar, they were basically under control of Caesar. And there was this group of people called zealots, which Judas was one of those, The zealots were basically like the rebellion, if you will, if you've ever watched Star Wars or something, or the Hunger Games, maybe. You guys are too spiritual for that. So, But the reality is, thanks, Diamond, for laughing. I appreciate it. But the reality is that there was people who wanted God, they wanted a king to come and destroy their enemies, right? They wanted a king to come and get them out from oppression, but Jesus comes lowly and humble and meek on a donkey, and they're saying, Hosanna, and they're saying, save me now, take me out of this, come and destroy our enemies and set up your kingdom, but Jesus had a different plan. Jesus came as a lowly king to give himself as a sacrifice. And this past week, I was like, man, how many of us are in situations in our life where we're just wanting God to change our circumstances? That's all we're asking for. Man, God, will you please just change this circumstance I'm in? Will you please just make this different? Oh, I'm, I'm single. I'm looking for a spouse. Or, man, my kids, one of them's sick. Or, I'm looking for a job. Or, there's something. I'm in court right now. Whatever it could be, we all have these things that we're asking God to come in and change. And I'm here to tell you this morning that He doesn't always change your circumstances. I know some of y'all are saying, oh, man, that's kind of tough. I've been in so many situations in my life since I've been saved. I, I, I remember I would go to jail and I would get, I would be scared. Like, oh man, I'm about to go to prison for a while. Oh man, I got to get this together. Oh Jesus, please get me out of here. Oh, please Lord, get me out of this jail cell. Oh, I'll do whatever you want. Oh, I'm all in, Jesus. Come on. Right? Please change these circumstances. And let me just say to you, a lot of us, we put ourselves in these circumstances. Not... There are things that we could be avoiding, but we're getting ourselves into and asking God to get us out of. And I remember I'd be in jail and saying, oh man, God, please, if you just help the judge. Every time I go to the jail, hey, will you pray for my court case? Hey, will you pray for my court case? You know what I say? Yes, I will pray for your court case, but even if it doesn't happen, will Jesus still be enough for you? 
Will Jesus still be enough for you if we get... Um, listen, he's not just a genie in a bottle that we get to rub and just have three wishes for. And I've experienced this truly. Actually, Jesus would go on to say things like, in this world, you will have trouble. It's like, oh man, thanks Jesus, real encouraging. But what's the promise if you keep reading? But take heart, I've overcome this world. There's something about not giving up and enduring through some things that it gives you a strength that you didn't have before you didn't have to endure anything. And some of us are so caught up in saying, God changed my situation, and he's saying, I'm actually trying to give you strength to endure your situation. I'm trying to give you some strength. I'm trying to give you to yoke up with me. I've had these moments, guys, when I've been in court, literally, in court for custody things, and I've, I've literally walked out uh, of court and thinking, okay, people are praying for me. i got all these people saying it's going to go my way. Things are going to change. Da-da-da-da-da. And then I walk out of court, completely nothing changed. And I'm like, what is going on? You go, God save me. God do this. And, do and I think we get in a place sometimes where we want God to come and actually destroy some of our enemies, and he's actually trying to bring peace to them. Somebody has wronged you in your life and you're more worried about punishing them and Jesus is worried about redeeming them. Are you willing to accept however Jesus walks into your circumstance? Man, I'm preaching to myself, church. I'm over here like, oh, I guess I need to be. Amen. Amen. Anybody else with me? I need to be. I need to be willing to accept it. But the reality is we were so closed off. When we're thinking of Jesus, we're saying, Jesus, only come this one way. And if you don't, then I'm going to be mad at you. And I'm not going to read my Bible no more. I'm going to stop going to church. I'm going to blame the church. I'm going to blame the pastor. I'm going to blame religion because you didn't do what I asked you to do. He doesn't owe you anything. But the one thing he owes you is forgiveness of your sins if you repent to him. That's the one thing. And here's the beauty. That's the greatest thing you need. That's the biggest miracle you need. It's all that's going to matter when we stand before him at the gates and he who welcomes us and says, well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't want to go through life in troubles. And I'm, I'm telling you guys, I've been through things. I'm going through things right now. We all are, right? And some of us are so stuck on Jesus coming a certain way instead of being like Jesus himself. And Jesus had this same moment in the garden. Do you remember? He's like, God, if you could take this situation from me, if you could change this moment, and what did he say at the end of it? But not my will, but yours be done. Because I think that most of us get stuck in the first part of his prayer. God, take this, take this, take this, take this. Amen. Please change this, please change this, please change this. Amen. And we're still stuck with the same anxiety as we had before we prayed. Instead of making it to that next part of this, the prayer and saying, God, please take this from me. But even if you don't, I'll still stand. I'll still be here. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't give up? Aren't you glad that in the garden, he didn't say, no, I'm out. I can't do this. He was so, come on. Aren't you glad he didn't give up? Aren't you glad he didn't stop? Aren't you glad that the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And you were the joy set before him. You were the thing he saw on the other side of his suffering. I tell you, I've been through some humbling situations where God, it seemed like he was nowhere to be found. I've sat there with my wife and thought, man, where is God in this? I don't know. 
But there was something God was trying to do in me in that moment. You know what it was? He was trying to teach me how to trust him even in the midst of trials and tribulations. Because, listen, church, friend, I'd love to tell you this, but anything that happens to Jesus, you can expect to happen to you. If you're really living the Christian life, you know how we know that? He says the servant is not greater than the master. Right? Because remember they go on and say, hey, we're going to die for you. And he says, he says, do you want to drink from this cup? And then he tells them, well, you're going to actually. <laughs> you guys actually are going to be persecuted. You actually are going to die. But here's the beauty of it is, this whole idea that, that God won't give you more than you can handle is nonsense. It is the silliest, most churchy, religious thing you've probably heard in your life. And then you're sit there right in the midst of more than you can handle wondering, wow, what is going on? I thought God won't give me more than I can handle. And then my child died. I thought God won't give me more than I can handle. I've had plenty of times where I've had more than I can handle. And the reality is, we see in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9, Paul, let me give you some scripture that goes against that thought. I got the 2 Corinthians. I lied. I'll read it. We do not want you to be unaware. Brothers of the hardships we encountered in the province of Asia, we were under a burden far beyond our ability to endure. Sounds like they had more than they could handle, right? And check this next verse. So that we despaired even of life. We wanted to die, it was so bad. Anybody ever been there? Indeed, we felt we were under the sentence of death in order, right, here's the beautiful thing, in order that we may not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. This is the beauty of being under more than you can handle, is that God is trying to step into your situation and give you strength to endure and not just change things. Because there's something you can only get when you go through some trials and tribulation that you can't get. There's a special strength that you can get that you cannot get when everything's going well. But every single time, church, it is your choice of where to yoke up with God. And what I mean is this. Jesus in that moment saying, God, if you can, take this cup. And all of us have that moment. God, could you change the situation? If you never make it to the rest of that prayer, not my will, but yours be done. You won't have peace. You will not have rest. You'll be just stuck in, please, please, the anxiety. You'll be stuck in the anxiety of, please change this. Man, is this making sense? It makes sense to me. We get stuck in this place of, man, God, please, please, please change it. And I feel the Lord just even saying for some of us, will you allow me to come into your situation however I'd like to? You might be mad at a family member or a co-worker or somebody who's really wronged you. And you think holding them with unforgiveness is putting them in chains, but it's only putting you in chains. And you're saying, man, God, do something about this. God, we're wanting them to do the same thing. Like, bring fire down from heaven and kill them. And God's like, hold on a second. I'm trying to redeem them. I want to forgive the people. I, I want to, think about it, on the cross, on Good Friday, we're going to have this thought, Jesus on the cross, dying, naked, broken, completely obliterated by people he came to save, and he says what? Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they've done. They wanted him to kill the Romans. He wanted to save the Romans. This makes sense. God's been really speaking to me lately about allowing him to come into my situation however he wants, not just what I prefer.
he might step into my situation with some correction. Because I'm over here praying, God, change my spouse, change my spouse. And he steps in and says, actually, I'm trying to change you. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, oh, no, that can't be right. (laughs) You, You must have not heard me. I'm asking you to do something that I want you to do, that you need to do, you know. How stupid does that really sound, right? And God's like, oh, okay, actually, I know what's best, and I'm going to do what I think is best. And like Maddie said earlier, unless you know that his intentions are good, you will not receive him stepping into your situation. Because he'll say, no, trust me, I want you to forgive that person who wronged you. And you're like, no way, that's, that's too much pain, I can't do that. He's saying, trust me. Trust me with what I'm trying to give you. He's trying to give you strength, guys, to yoke up with him and not give up in the midst of things. Because I see it too much as a pastor. People come, they get on fire for God, and then they get a little bit of discouraged, or their car breaks down, and then we start saying, oh, where God, where are you? Or they get offended by a church or offended by a pastor, and then they go backwards and find themselves dry and broken again. God is saying, don't give up. He's trying to give you strength this morning. He's not just trying to fix everybody around you. He's trying to have you come alongside Him and Him give you things that you need. He's trying to feed you personally. He's trying to get you to, He's trying to comfort you Himself. Can you imagine that Jesus not only knew, Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. How many of us don't even think about being around people because they have wronged us, let alone stay around them necessarily? And some people don't hear what I'm not saying. There's unhealthy boundaries to that. But what I'm saying is this, how could Jesus still pursue and love and serve someone he knew was going to betray him? We're not always called to be best friends with everyone, but we are called to love and pray for and serve people. Amen. I read this quote once. It says, until you have learned to sit at the same table with your Judas, you haven't learned to love like Jesus. And I'm like, man, how do we reconcile with all of our leadership books and our leadership podcasts and our leadership church conferences that Jesus championed Judas, knowing he was going to turn on him? I believe some of our prayers would be like, man, God, please get Judas out of this circle. And I believe Jesus' heart was, maybe I'll just sit here and serve him and love him so much that if he ever wants to come to me truly, he'll come. Maybe God just doesn't want to change people who've hurt you. Obviously, we know that he wants them to be saved, but the reality is some people will never apologize to you in your whole life. So what are we going to do with that? Jesus said, unless you forgive, you will not be forgiven. I believe only Jesus can help us to forgive people who've wronged us and maybe stop praying for God to punish them, but for God to step in and redeem them. Amen? The the underground church in China, we were listening to a testimony of some missionaries, and the missionaries were saying that in the... The early days of the charismatic Pentecostal movement, when they went to China, they were telling them, like, hey, before it gets too bad, the rapture's going to happen. And you've got even old school Pentecostal pastors who have no retirement, no pension or nothing, because they were convinced that Jesus was going to come 
in the, in the 50s, you know, and then again in the 88, and all kinds of different times. Oh, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And they would just wait and wait and wait. But they would talk to the, 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 the Chinese church, uh, the missionaries there, and they, they would say, like, man, I wish that instead of coming and telling us that before it got too bad, Jesus would take us out, that they taught us that we had strength to endure. Because what happened? They would get persecuted and be killed. But the message was, oh, he's coming. They're basically, they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. He'll come and he'll save us before it gets too wrong. That's not in the Bible. They're saying, I will, I will give you strength in the middle of your battle. I will comfort you if you come to me. Come to me. All you hear are weary and heavy laden. He never said you wouldn't be weary and heavy laden. He just told you where to come. When you, he's saying, you're going to get this way. But when you do, come to me. Not just come to church. But come to Him in every aspect of your life. Come to the Word of God. Come to fellowship. I commend people who are going to our small groups. who are putting forth an effort to have community. I commend you. We will have no other small groups going on in the fall. And I commend everybody else to sign up for those too. Amen? But I believe God is wanting the church to maybe not just look for every way to get out of a situation. And start to step into what Paul was saying in Philippians 4.13 when he says, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. We can get in that place where it said, I know what it's like to have a little. I know what it's like to have a lot. I've been in jail. I've been a persecutor, whatever. But I've learned that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the truth about God won't give you more than you can handle. No, I can just do all things with his strength. I was thinking also this past week about, you know, not even Jesus. Do you remember that Jesus couldn't even carry the cross? You know that part of the story? I think we forget about that part. They had to have someone help him carry the cross. Even Jesus. And I think in his, in his humanity, he was showing us that you cannot do this alone. You need your brothers and sisters. You need to go to church. You need accountability. You need small groups. You need a pastor, not just a preacher. You know what the difference is? A preacher is someone you like to listen to, and then you can turn on YouTube and watch somebody else you like to listen to. A pastor you actually allow speak into your life. And if you would, I'm just telling you, if you would learn to actually have a pastor, somebody would be thinking, well, Mike, I don't see you as my pastor, then go to a different church. Because God is trying to impart some things to you at this house. He's trying to give you some things. And it might not be what you think. But we always want something that's from Jesus, amen? Always want something if it's from Him. Jesus can't always take us out of our tribulation and out of our, our issues. Because here's the truth. Huh? We get mad at God when He doesn't fix our problems, right? And then we literally turn, listen church, the same ones who were saying Hosanna and putting their clothes down and putting the palm leaves down, the same one who were saying Hosanna, here comes the Son of David coming, the same ones five days later were yelling crucify Him. You know why? Because he didn't fix their problems. How they thought that he should. And we get in that same way. I tried church. Mike, I tried to do this. I've tried to do right. I've tried to start reading my Bible. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. And then we get discouraged. And we're like, well, God just hasn't taken this from me. He hasn't taken these things from me. Listen, he just told you he would be with you, not take it from me. And if we can get to a place, especially I see the guys in jail and FOS and a lot of different things. Man, I have my court case, my court case, my thing coming up. Listen, is Jesus enough for you? Is he enough for you? If you can get to the place where you say, yes, Jesus, you are worthy 
of my entire life, regardless if you ever answer another prayer of mine. This is the most secure place you can be, where you get, you get like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you get to this place where you're saying, listen, today my God will deliver me. It doesn't mean that we lose faith for him to answer. Can somebody say amen? It doesn't mean we don't ask him to change. It doesn't mean we don't ask him to step in. It just means that even if he doesn't, we're still standing there. So I'm still going to ask him to intervene. I'm still going to ask him to heal. I'm still going to ask him to do these things with faith in my heart. But even if he doesn't, I'm going to stand and I'm going to say, you're worthy still, Jesus. You're still my king. I still love you. I'm still with you. I'm not turning my back on you. I believe one of the toughest things and the thing that's holding people back from getting their breakthrough in Christ is the simplicity of starting right. You have to start right. Hear me give you the secret to starting right. I'm all in. You know what all in means? It means I'm all in regardless of circumstances, regardless of churches, regardless of people, regardless of thoughts, regardless of hurt, regardless of offense. I'm all in. Nothing can take me out of this place, Lord. I'm all in. I have placed myself in that place on September 26, 2014 or 13. I stepped in and I said, Jesus, I'm all in. Even if you don't get me out of this jail cell, even if you don't do these things, I'm yours. And then I've seen him take my life. And then I've seen him come and, and give me strength that I didn't know. I listen, I, I, a lot of times I get sick. I have so many people praying for me in this church. Bless you. And then I stay sick. <laughs> right? I'll pray. And listen, I, I commend you. I'm never gonna, I will always ask people in this church to pray for me when I get sick. And I want you to pray with faith. But then I find myself two days later still sick as a dog. And I have an opportunity Say, God, I still believe you're the healer. Because I know you've healed my friends. I know you've healed others. When God doesn't change your circumstances, church, you have an opportunity to really get strong in what you actually believe about him. Because the disciples and all them were, if you remember, he's crucified, and what do they do? They run away. They lost all of that experience they had with Jesus. They've seen all the miracles. They've seen everything. And as soon as it didn't go the way they thought, they went back to what they were doing. Went back to fishing. Will you allow the Lord to step into your circumstances however he pleases and do whatever he wants even if, it's, even if nothing happens? It's a tough thing, but it's a thing we all have to learn. And if Jesus wasn't taken out of his trial, sometimes neither are we. But here's the beauty of this. You ready? It says in Philippians that he didn't count himself worthy with deity. Basically, he, he lowered himself as a human, as, as, a, as a peasant, in a sense, as a poor Jew. And he lived this life. He went through this suffering. You know what the Bible says in Hebrews? He learned obedience through suffering. Here at the Father's house, we preach the whole gospel. Amen? But Jesus, there's something beautiful I want you to get today. You can either, you can learn obedience through some of your suffering. Or you can get offended, get mad, and run away. But I believe, and I declare this morning, that you will learn obedience. That you will yoke up with God. That you will find strength to endure in the middle of your trials. That you won't give up. 
that you won't. Some of you need to know this this morning. Don't give up. Keep going. Don't give up because you've seen something that didn't go your way and you're thinking about giving up. Don't give up. Keep going. Because the Bible says that Jesus, that he, he humbled himself, he died. And then in Philippians it says that because of this, God has exalted him to the highest place and given him the name above every other name. This morning, my wife was, we were in bed and, oh, our beautiful two-year-old is in our bed still breastfeeding. And I remember she turned over and, our, our, and the baby is just so sweet. And Maddie could show you that, because uh, people were telling us, you need to stop breastfeeding, you need to do this. And we're like, hey, we're just trying to hear the Holy Spirit, you know. Like, we'll take advice, but we're not, we don't, you know, we're trying to see what God's trying to do. God's just not necessarily trying to take us out of this situation. I remember this morning I told my wife because she has just done amazing with nursing three kids in four years, five years. Just incredible. And, and I looked at her and I just told her something that I want to tell all of you this morning. I said, don't grow weary in doing good. You know, it's sometimes I've had pastors and friends and I've been complaining about the church, complaining about my life and just took that reminder for somebody to look at me in my eyes and remind me and say, hey, don't grow weary in doing good things. Some of you are putting forth the effort. You're not giving up in the middle of your trials. You're not giving up in the middle of things. The Blythe family, don't grow weary in doing good. Trying everything you can. For your daughter, don't grow weary in doing good things because the enemy wants to come in the middle of your trial and your tribulation and steal your hope. Because, listen, the person with the most hope has the most influence. So if you ha there's nothing worse than a hopeless Christian because we have nothing to offer people who need hope. But you know what's amazing that we do have to offer? When people can look at us. I remember when me and Maddie first got married, we really had nothing. We lived in a house with no central air condition, with carpet in the bathroom. The heater was a crate in the middle of the floor, in the middle of the house. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, her parents' dog would come over and like step around it because it was hot. Before school, Carter would lay beside it on the ground because it was warm. And I remember she had a friend come over, her sister's friend, and she said to her friend one day, she said, she said oh, when I get older, I want a relationship like Mike and Maddie. She said, because they don't have anything and they're so happy. Like, what the heck is wrong with these people? That's what people should look like in your life. They say, man, they're going through some stuff right now. But here he is still helping me. Here he is and he still has joy. Here he is and he hasn't lost hope. What is wrong with you? You say, man, I have Jesus. And he gives me strength to endure things. He doesn't just take me out of it, but he'll give me strength to endure. And the devil can't have my joy. He can't have it. He can't have my, my peace. Stop giving up things to him he cannot take. Submit yourself to God. Lord, I trust you. I love you no matter what happens. Resist the devil and he will flee. I love the quote Todd White says. It's not submit yourself to God and fight the devil. It's just submit to him and he's resisted. It's over. The Bible would tell us these things. Resist the devil. It means because he's going to come and try to mess with you. Submit yourself to him. In the middle of these things, stand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Could you imagine? This is Old Testament. They're saying, hey, you know what? It's so cool how I didn't even know what songs we were singing today. And we're here, we're singing Another in the Fire. And 
literally about God being with us in the midst of our trials. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're, they're there and they're, they're in the fire literally. Did you notice they still had to be put in the fire? And that time God did take care of it. But then you fast forward to New Testament, you see John the Baptist get in prison and get beheaded. You see John G. Lake and the, the big move of God revivals in the old days where John G. Lake would go and grab the bubonic plague, put it in his hand, and the disease would literally flee under microscopes. It would, it would literally go away by the power of the law of Christ, he would say. And then he dies in his 60s from like cancer. What do we do with this? We learn that Jesus said, hey, you're going to have trouble here, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I'm going to give you some strength to endure some of these things. Jesus didn't get taken out of it. You're not always going to get taken out of it. But let God come into your circumstance. Let Him walk into the room with you no matter what He's bringing. You know what He'll always bring? Peace. Let Him bring peace. Don't just go to bed saying, take it, take it, take it, take it. Amen. Saying, God, I trust you. Amen. Even if it's every day. Can our worship team come? Hmm. Let me give you some promises of God's word. Somebody say, I'm ready. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Did you notice that last part? If we do not give up. Here's the promise. You will reap a harvest. Here's the condition. If you don't give up. Amen? Hebrews 10.36 says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. How many of you want to receive what is promised? Strength to endure, the Bible says. Matthew 24.13 says, But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Paul would even say, I run the race. Like an like a, like a Olympian, basically run your race. He says, even myself could be cut off or disqualified if I give up. But he says, keep running to the end. What does that mean? That means if you fall down, you fall down. That means if you screw up, you screw up. It just means let the Lord raise you back up and keep running. Don't give up. Don't just get mad at God when He doesn't change things. Believe me, I understand. I truly understand. And this is the beauty of having the Bible with us, church. In the charismatic church, a lot of us, we chase feelings and we chase encounters. But I'm here to tell you, when I've walked out of situations in my life and God did not show up the way I wanted Him to, I have not had any encounter or any good feeling in my body. I didn't have any Holy Ghost goosebumps going on. I had nothing but confusion going on. But it was the Word of God which kept me and which anchored me in the truth. And I remember seeing this moment in a court date in my life and thinking, God, where are you? How could you do this? And I I remember thinking, Romans 8.28, God, I know that you cause all things to work for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. I can trust you right now in the middle of this, Lord, because you have to use this for my good. And over the years, I thought, well, what good could possibly come out of this? And the Lord spoke to me and said, Michael, this has kept you humble. I thought, man... How many of you know being humble is good for your good? 
I remember I got a job when I first got saved. I got a new job and then I got fired there like a few days later after quitting my old job. I didn't know what the heck happened. I thought, man, Lord, how is this for my good? What is going on right now? Man, it kept me humble. You know what it did? I had an opportunity to trust Him fully. All right, God, I trust you. I trust you got this. Can I tell you, church, from the bottom of my heart, He always comes through for me, even if it's peace, even if it's just love, even if it's just comforting me, even if He changes my situation, He always comes through. He's always there with you, regardless of what it is. And would you this morning be willing to receive whatever He's trying to give you in your circumstances? Some of you are thinking, man, I need to get that new job. If I could just get this new job... Everything would change. And God is saying, hey, you know what? Maybe there's some stuff I'm trying to do in your character while you're in this job. That I Think about this. God can't get some of these things out of you if you never go through some tests and trials. Amen? If He just goes ahead and gives you the dream job or everything is cake and seems wonderful, you're not going to get what you need. You're not going to get the character that you need that will sustain you for your next trial. we stand this morning would you close your eyes prayer team come I pray the Lord would give you strength to endure this morning just like Jesus a supernatural strength a supernatural comfort would fall on you right now they're in the midst of trials and tests and tribulations I pray there would be a shift in your heart this morning saying God just your will be done I trust you come however you want to in my life do whatever you want to in my life I feel the Lord, like some of you in this room right now, you're thinking about relationships with certain people who've really wronged you. And I just feel like you need to release some people to Jesus this morning. And saying, Jesus, I release them from my own judgment and I give them to you, Father. And you do what you please. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I'm grateful, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that the king saw another person in the fire that looked like the Son of Man, that you are with us in our trials, Lord. You are with us, God. Help us to realize, help us to get that revelation this morning, to have you there with us, that you comforting us, you hugging us, you holding us, you speaking life over us. kind of like if you've ever been to the hospital and maybe your kid or your loved one's in the hospital and they're going through surgery or they're going through some really hard times but the reality is you're there with them and you're holding their hand and you're smiling at them and you're praying for them and you're cheering them on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we just tell them thank you this morning? Thank you, Jesus, for always being there for me, for never leaving me or forsaking me. We love you, Lord. And with your eyes closed, 
this morning maybe you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus at all maybe you haven't repented of your sin and you're like man I need to get saved I need to be born again I believe Jesus rose from the grave he died rose from the grave I believe he's coming back I need to make Jesus in charge of my life I recognize I'm a sinner in need of salvation and forgiveness if you are here today and you need to be born again you need to give your life to him would you raise your hand right where you are this morning I see that hand. Anybody else? I need to give my life to Jesus, not just my Sunday mornings. Not just my sin, but I need to give Him my life. Anybody else? just want to take a moment. Thank you, Father. And if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to do something bold this morning. Here in just a moment, when we have people come down for prayer, would you come down and pray with one of our leaders this morning? We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. This altar is not a place of shame. It's a place of victory. It's a place of an exchange for your filthiness, for His righteousness. It's a beautiful place. If you need healing in your body, church, if you need prayer for anything at all this morning, would you come? You're welcome to come now. Everybody do me a favor and look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor. Do you need prayer for anything? Say, don't go if you do. And tell them you'll come with them. We love you, Jesus. Can we just lift our hands to heaven? Heavenly Father, I just pray that your word would go deep this morning. I thank you that your word is living and active. God, I thank you that it will not return void. That God, I thank you this morning that it will take root, God, and it will bear fruit and it will multiply for your kingdom and your glory. Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we honor you. Jesus, we remember what you've been through this week for us, God. And we say thank you. Come on, just tell him thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the suffering. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for not giving up on me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We say thank you, Jesus. We love you, King. We love you, King. Y'all have that song? What song you got over here? Come on, let's just sing this out. Can we just can we just stay for just a moment and worship to this song? Just let faith arise in this room. We're going to sing that song, Another in the Fire, standing next to me. And I just pray that there's a moment for you to step into faith this morning and let Him step into your situation, guys. Thank you, Jesus. If you need to lift your hands, lift your hands. If that helps you, we love you, King Jesus. Come on, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
put our hands together for the Lord this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, bless your people, bless their families, bless this week, God, bless their businesses, bless their health, in the name of Jesus. Y'all have a good week. We love you so much. If you need prayer, if you want to stick around the altar, if you need prayer, you're welcome to come. Before you go, next week is Easter. We'd love to see you next week. Invite some friends, invite some family. We'd love to have you. Bless you guys.